Hey everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 1001 Films Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Gardner, and today I'm going to be breaking down all the Oscar nominations that were announced this morning. I'm going to give you all my thoughts on uh, what predictions I got right, all the surprises, and who I think is going to win. So stay tuned right after this. Okay, so like I said in my previous episode, uh, it's been a very interesting year for film. Um, I just have to say that I just recorded about 10 minutes of this episode before I realized that the battery was dead on my microphone. So I'm kind of starting over, so I don't know what I've said or what I actually got recorded, but I'm just going to try to start over and see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, it was an interesting year in film, uh, besides Oppenheimer and Barbie, um, not a lot of, um, not a lot of blockbusters got nominated, nominated this year. Um, there's a lot of very interesting, diverse group of films, um, in, uh, in the categories this year. Um, there are some categories that I'm not going to talk about, uh, the, well, the ones, the categories that I have not seen a single movie in are all the short films and the documentary films. Uh, it's surprising that usually I'll slip in one or two kind of documentaries that I really like that I think should be nominated. They end up getting nominated. But this year, I don't think I have even actually seen a single documentary, unless you count like a Netflix true crime documentary movie, uh, and those never get nominated for Oscars. But the big surprise in that category is that the favorite to win, according to all the uh, awards experts and the prediction panels, um, the the movie is called Still a, Mike, a Michael J. Fox Movie. So it's a documentary about Michael J. Fox and his life uh, as an actor and his battle with Parkinson's. It was the favorite to win, and it wasn't even nominated. Um, I mean, it reminds me of uh, when the Roger Ebert documentary Life Itself um, came out. That was the favorite to win, and then that one also was not nominated. Uh, but I didn't know this, but apparently uh, the documentarian branch of the Academy is notoriously unpredictable when it comes to the films that it nominates uh, for Best Documentary, Feature Film. So um, that was a little surprising. I'll probably check out still uh after the oscars are over because there are other movies that i have not seen that um have been nominated for for awards i'm gonna try to catch up on those first before they announce the winners at the oscar ceremony on march 10th um so just to kind of go through these categories 
So besides those categories, the documentary short, live action short, animated short, and documentary feature, um, I'm not going to address any of the nominees in those because I haven't seen them. Uh, it's kind of hard to see the shorts. They usually only release those for qualifying runs in uh, New York and L.A. Um, sometimes in other markets, they were they will kind of package the nominees together and show them all in one sitting um, in other uh, larger markets kind of to build some buzz and hype around them before uh, the Oscar ceremony. Um, I probably won't go see those. I mean, some of them I'm sure you can look up on like Vimeo or, or uh, YouTube. Uh, so I might just check a couple of those out just to see, but uh, to be completely honest, the short film categories are the least prestigious, I would say, of all of these awards. Um, not that they're any less important or that they're, um, you know, particularly in the animated short category. A lot of those uh, sh animated shorts really push the medium as far as like technical advancements and achievements in animation um, are usually in the short category uh, rather than the feature film category, the animated feature category. Um, so just kind of give you a little structure. I'm going to go through the five major categories first, picture, actor, actress, director, and then kind of a twofer with the adapted and original screenplay. Uh, and I'm going to hit those pretty hard and then uh, give a little bit uh, less analysis on all of the others. Um, all right, so let's just start off with the big one, Best Picture. The 10 nominees are American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, Oppenheimer, the Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. So the only one of these that I have not seen is The Zone of Interest. Uh, it's an international film coming from the UK. Um, I have tickets to see it next week. Uh, the only reason I haven't seen it yet is because it has not opened in uh in vegas yet in the market that i'm in it doesn't open until friday so uh this coming friday so i will see it uh next week and then i'll probably do a solo episode for that uh or potentially i'll do another prediction episode for the oscars probably a day or two before the winners are announced um just to kind of reiterate uh, what I'm going to talk about in this episode. Um, but as far as the other nominees, uh, American Fiction is great. I just saw it this week. Uh, it's a very clever script. It's very well acted all around. It's a good ensemble film. Um, Jeffrey Wright gives a really great lead performance. Uh, Sterling K. Brown also gives a very good performance, uh, supporting performance. They were both nominated. Uh, we'll get, get to that a little later. But overall, American Fiction is very well written. It's a very clever script. It's very funny. Uh, it's definitely a comedy. But 
Um, it is a little bit about race. I mean, it's all about race, but it doesn't beat you over the head with a message. And there's even a point in the film where uh, it kind of gets a little meta. And one of the characters says that I don't, I don't want to just spoon feed the audience the message. Um, so it's very, it's very well written. Uh, it was also nominated for original screen for adapted screenplay. Uh, but I'll talk more about that when we get to it. But American fiction is really good. Definitely go see it. It's very funny. Uh, Jeffrey Wright is great. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall is a French courtroom drama about a guy that falls out of a window. Uh, or did he? Was he pushed? I don't know. That's kind of all about uh, what the movie's about. And I'm in law school. I'm a sucker for courtroom dramas. Um, it's a very great movie. Uh, I talked about it in my top 10 of the year episode. So definitely go check that episode out for uh, more in-depth thoughts about Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, and then Barbie and Oppenheimer. I feel like I kind of got to talk about these two together. It was the you know, the pop culture phenomenon of the year. Um, 2023 will be remembered for Barbenheimer for sure. Um, they're both very good. They both made over a billion dollars. I think, you know, definitely now, uh, I don't know if it, if it had passed a bill, if Oppenheimer had passed a billion before today, the last I checked was probably a week ago and it was pretty close but definitely now that it has 13 Oscar nominations, the most nominated film this year. Um, I know they re-released it in IMAX uh, recently, so my guess is that those number box office numbers are going to go up, and if it has not passed a billion, I think it will pass a billion fairly soon. Uh, but like I said, Barbie is a good movie. It's very good. Um Oppenheimer, I think, was the better of the two, uh, and I definitely think Oppenheimer is the front runner. Um, but the next film, The Holdovers, I think has a chance to slip in there. Um, the way they do the voting for the winners is that they do what's called ranked choice voting, is that the voters will uh, put the nominees in order of uh, favorite to least favorite, I guess you could say best to worst, according to each individual voter. Uh, and I think the number one film on a lot of people's lists is kind of going to be a little divisive, maybe between Oppenheimer and Barbie or American fiction. I think those three are probably you know, are probably going to be a lot of people's number one, but I think holdovers is going to stick pretty high on other people's, uh, on people's lists as well as either number two or three. So if that number one is, uh, on a lot of people's lists is going to be different, but the holdovers is consistently two or three on everybody's list, then I think holdovers has a chance to, um, really, slip in there and surprise a lot of people and win uh, Best Picture. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, I understand why this movie is getting a lot of awards tension. I mean, it's DiCaprio, it's De Niro, it's Scorsese. 
it's these are it's like this is like a legacy nomination for the three of them. Lily Gladstone is great, uh, but I just think her character was misused in the later uh, parts of the film. In the last hour and a half, really, it's a three and a half hour movie, and uh, her character is basically bedridden for the last hour and a half in the movie, and she is just misused i mean i'll get more into that when we get into the best actress race but uh i don't think it was very well written uh i think you know martin scorsese with his uh nomination which we'll get to is now the um most nominated living director uh with 10 nominations he just passed spielberg uh, they were in a tie at nine, but now with Killers of the Flower Moon, he has the score says he has ten. But overall, as far as uh, Killers of the Flower Moon goes, I think it was very boring. I think DiCaprio was miscast in in his role. Um, it doesn't really have a very strong focus on any of the characters. Um, it's kind of a mess, in my opinion. I get why it was nominated, though. I mean, it was nominated in a lot of the technical categories, which we will get to, which I think is deserving. But all of the above-the-line stuff, besides Lily Gladstone, was kind of underwhelming. I mean, uh, De Niro, DiCaprio, Scorsese, what they do in this movie, they've done a hundred other times in a hundred other movies. So it's like, it's... It's nothing special. They're just Academy darlings. The Academy likes to nominate them. It likes to recognize them. So I think that's why this movie is in here. Uh, Because it wasn't very well received by audiences. And it was, you know, skewed positive, but was still kind of mixed among critics as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Killers of the Flower Moon. I would definitely take that one out and slip in Spider-Man. Uh, for sure, uh, because that that was the biggest disappointment for me. It was that Spider Man was not nominated. Not not surprising. It's disappointing, but not surprising because the Academy has only ever nominated three animated movies for Best Picture in its ninety three year history. It was um, Beauty and the Beast in ninety three ninety four whenever that movie came out. And then up in 2009, and uh, Toy Story 3 in 2010. And it has not nominated a an animated movie since 2010. So it's been 13 years. Um, you know, and only three movies in its 93-year history with literally hundreds and hundreds of movies nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Not surprising that Spider-Man didn't get in there, but I would definitely take out a few of these. Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, the next one I'm going to talk about, Barbie. I would take all of those out and put uh, Spider-Man in here. Uh, But like I said, Maestro is the next film. It's a passion project of Bradley Cooper. He stars in it. He directed it. He produced it. Uh, It's about Leonard Bernstein, the... Uh, legendary Broadway composer uh, who also did a lot for film and Hollywood um, in the 60s. Um, 
This is uh, the class. This is the classic Oscar bait film. Um, it's pretentious. It's art artsy. It's about a. It's a biopic about a legendary person in Hollywood. Um, it's practically begging for awards. Uh, and I just did not think that it was very compelling or very interesting. It was, um, I don't know how else to describe it. It was too pretentious. It was too full of itself. And, um, you know, the Academy always nominates one of these films every year. Um, and you know, there's, that's never going to change. So yeah, it really has no shot at winning, but you know, they like to nominate movies like this. Um, uh, so I already talked a little bit about Oppenheimer. So the next film, uh, is past lives. Uh, it's a great film, a Korean film, um, a romance. I think the, the lead performances are great. Uh, it's very well written, very well directed. Uh, I think it's first time director, Celine song. It's her first feature film. To get nominated for Best Picture, that is an achievement for sure. It was in my top 10 for favorite films of the year. Um, so I'm really glad it got nominated. Uh, it didn't really get nominated anywhere else, which is a little bit surprising that it got nominated for Best Picture, but then didn't really get nominated for any of the acting or directing or writing categories. I think this might be. If I'm going through just briefly, I think this might be its only nomination. Oh no, I got nominated for original screenplay. So that's it. Best picture and original screenplay. I mean, you know, and then none of the actors, you know, not the director. It's a little surprising, but uh, definitely worthy to be on this list. Uh, then the next film is Poor Things. Um... I mean, this film, as Yorgos Lanthimos directed it, it's uh, it's a very strange film. Uh, I talked about it in my top ten. Um, it's very entertaining, also very funny. Mark Ruffalo is outstanding. Uh, Emma Stone, I think, is the front runner to win Best Actress, but we'll get into more of that later. Um, it's very unique, very original, and I love when the Academy recognizes films like this. There's nothing else uh, in any of the categories that uh, got nominated this year like Poor Things. Uh, you cannot like it. You can say that it's not entertaining for you, but I don't think it's possible for you to watch this film and not recognize the supreme craftsmanship uh, from all levels, from top to bottom, uh, that went into this film. Uh, but I can understand why some people won't like it, because it is a little strange. It is very strange, honestly. And then, like I said, the last one, Zone of Interest, I have not seen that yet, so I can't um, rightly comment on it. But I will see it this next week, and I will do a solo episode review zone of interest and let you know what i think um all right so moving on to best actor so the nominees are bradley cooper for maestro coleman domingo for rustin 
Paul Giamatti for the holdovers, uh, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. So I forgot for Best Picture, uh, I'm going to predict that Oppenheimer is going to win, but I would really love it if uh, Holdovers won. So, but uh, for Best Actor, um, like I said, Bradley Cooper, Coleman Domingo, Paul Giamatti, uh, Killian Murphy, and Jeffrey Wright. I think this is uh, Killian Murphy's to lose. Um, he's been the favorite for a long time. Well, honest, honestly... I would I would still put Killian Murphy in front, but honestly, Paul Giamatti is coming up fast. Uh, I think this is a two horse race between Giamatti and Murphy. Um, I would like it if Oppenheimer won Best Picture. If they're going to give Best Picture to Oppenheimer, I would really like it if uh, Paul Giamatti got it for the holdovers because he is one. Uh, not just in the holdovers, but Paul Giamatti is one of the best working actors uh, today. He's pro he's the quintessential character actor. He does uh, such diverse work in all of his his films. Um, and it would really be nice if they gave him this uh, Oscar kind of as a, a career appreciation award because he's been in a lot of really great movies. He, you know, I don't think he's ever given a bad performance. Uh, even in something as silly as big fat liar. Um, he is, is fantastic. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, like I said, this is a two horse race between Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti. I would also not be, uh, unhappy if Jeffrey Wright, from American fiction kind of slipped in there and pulled off an upset between those two. Uh, I have not seen Rustin all the way through, so I can't really comment on Coleman Domingo's performance. Uh, and Bradley Cooper in Maestro, like I said, is basically looking directly down the barrel of the camera and screaming, I want an Oscar in that movie. So uh, he got the nomination, but I think for him, the nomination is going to be the win. Uh, in this instance, um, a little surprising that they did not nominate uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon got nominated for Best Picture, uh, but I think his, like I said, his character was um, not—he was miscast. I think originally. He was going to play the Jesse Plemons role of kind of the law enforcement guy. And then Jesse Plemons was going to play the leading DiCaprio role. And I think that would have been more interesting. It would have been uh, a better fit, I think, for the two actors. Uh, I don't remember or know if I ever knew why they switched it. Uh, why they essentially just switched roles. Um, but Leo does not play a buffoon very well. And I think Jesse Plemons can do that in his sleep. Um, so I think that would have been a better role for both of them. And then, um, maybe then both of them could have gotten nominated for actor and supporting actor. Um, 
Another one I was really kind of disappointed about was Zach Efron for the Iron Claw. I just think A24 is not good at awards campaigning. They did not really push him a lot as far as winning awards. Um, the movie was released too late, so I, I think a lot of people just did not see it uh, in time, or they were you know too backlogged with all of the other um award screeners that were going out and that one kind of just stayed at the bottom of the pile so once the voting came around not a lot of people have seen it so but i think if this movie would have come out in you know september october and maybe gone to a few festivals in the fall uh and kind of had a stronger backing from the studio I think Zac Efron could have had a shot at getting in for the Iron Claw, but uh, if it were up to me, if I was voting, I would I would put him in here, probably probably either three or four behind Giamatti Murphy, and then maybe have him three, and then Jeffrey Wright at four. Um, so I was a little disappointed that Zac Efron didn't get nominated, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's all politics, um, and money. And if the studio doesn't want to, uh, submit someone or put the money behind an awards campaign, then they're not going to get nominated. Um, all right. So moving on to best actress. We have Annette Bening for Nyad, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. The big surprise here is no Margot Robbie for Barbie. Uh, she is the anchor of that film. She is the only reason that film works at all um on any level um she did get nominated as a producer for barbie for best picture so she has been nominated for an oscar this year uh but she was not nominated for her acting performance just her producing uh which was a little surprising uh but honestly uh who do you take out I mean, that's the thing is that people can talk about snubs and, oh, this person uh, should have been nominated or why didn't they nominate that person, this and that and everything. But then you look at the nominees, this is a very strong list. It was a stacked category for Best Actress uh, this year. Greta Lee, also f who played the lead in Past Lives, uh, I think gave an Oscar-worthy performance but it's just that this year, all of all of these nominees are uh, excellent. Um, Annette Bening for Nyad. Um, I was glad she got in. It's a good movie. Uh, it's about that woman that swam from Cuba to Florida in her 60s. Um, and she get, Annette Bening gives a great performance as uh, the lead character. Um it's a it's a great movie it's on netflix um it's a quintessential sports film underdog story uh fighting against all odds to 
succeed, uh, you know, in difficult circumstances, all of that traditional sports movie stuff. I really enjoyed it. So I definitely think she is deserving, um, independent of kind of the backlash that the real life, uh, Diana Nyad is kind of not a likable person. And the fact that, uh, whether or not she actually made that swim is in dispute. Uh, I don't think that has any bearing on the film. Uh, the film should be judged on its own merits. Um, and in the film, she does the swim, uh, on her own unassisted. And whether or not that's the true story, I don't think it matters because it's more dramatic. It's more cinematic. It's more filmic that she actually does the swim on her own. Uh, so judging the film as the film itself, uh, I think she gave an excellent performance. And then, uh, like I said earlier, Lily Gladstone gives a great performance. She's acting circles around both DiCaprio and De Niro in this movie, even with the, um, kind of, she got, kind of got, um, she got, got swindled out of the last hour and a half of that movie because the writing kept her, you know, drugged up and in bed for, you know, most of the second half of the film. Um, but I still think her performance is strong enough to warrant a nomination. So I was glad to see her in there. Sandra Holler in Anatomy of a Fall is great. She was great. Uh, she plays the wife of the guy that quote-unquote fell out of the window um and she gives an excellent performance uh in that film uh carrie mulligan i think also is is begging for an oscar and maestro i i really didn't enjoy that movie that much but you know like i said it's the pretentious nominee for this year so she gets in and then Emma Stone, I think, who is the front runner um, for this category, um, she gives a very fearless performance in everything that she does physically and uh, mentally in this film is very impressive, uh, even more so than when she won for uh, La La Land. So I think as far as predicting who's going to win, uh, I think Emma Stone takes it, uh, but Lily Gladstone uh, has been winning awards as well in the guilds. I think they both got nominated for a SAG award. So we shall see between those two. But if it were me, I would give it to Emma Stone. All right. So moving on to best director, we have Justine Triette for Anatomy of a Fall. Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, and then Jonathan Glazer for A Zone of Interest. Um, I think Christopher Nolan wins this in a runaway. I don't think, I don't see any of these other uh, nominees really even coming close. I mean, Scorsese, like I said, that's a legacy nomination. Uh, I vastly underestimated the popularity of the zone of interest. Uh, so I was a little surprised to see Jonathan Glazer in there, especially since uh, Greta Gerwig for Barbie was not nominated. 
she gets nominated in the screenplay category, which we will talk about coming up. Uh, so she also got nominated for an Oscar, just not for the director, um, which is a little surprising because that is a very director-driven vision, tone kind of driven film uh, that is has a very hard balance to strike between comedy and um, like serious um, message film uh, tones and I think she walks that line excellently um, so I was a little surprised to see her not nominated for directing even though she did get a screenplay nomination uh, and honestly, I think that works in her favor to win a uh, screenplay, but we'll, I'll get to that later. Um, also, Celine Song for Past Lives, uh, not nominated for Best Director, and um, Alexander Payne for The Holdovers. I think I had both of those in, in my predictions for Best Director, so I was a little surprised by those. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, there's not much to say, much else to say about this category because I think finally Christopher Nolan is going to get his first of potentially many Oscars if he continues to make high-quality films like he has been. Um, so yeah, Christopher Nolan in a runaway. All right, adapted screenplay. Uh, we have American Fiction, Barbie... Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Zone of Interest. So, um, I think that this category is wide open. I could really see any of these films winning uh, adapted screenplay. And like I was saying earlier, just a second ago, I think the fact that uh, Greta Gerwig did not get nominated for Best Director actually helps her chances for winning Best Screenplay, uh, Adapted Screenplay, um, because maybe they there might be some disgruntled voters who had her in their Best Director list, and when she did not end up actually winning a nomination, they may now, when they go to re-vote for the winners, um, they may vote for her out of spite for not being directed for not being nominated for director. So I think that actually boosts her chances a little bit. Um, but honestly, Oppenheimer, I think has been, uh, probably one of the front runners for this, for this category. Um, but American fiction, I mean, that, that film is all screenplay. Um, and it's just so clever and so unique and interesting and very, very funny. Um, and not goofball Jim Carrey, you know, um, pet detective Ace Ventura funny. It's, uh, it's smart funny. Uh, it's clever. It's witty. Uh, it's very cutting. Uh, and it's um, scathing of the... of uh some of of the way that hollywood portrays and wants to portray african americans in kind of a um false um 
tokenism type of way. Um, I think it's about time that someone made a movie like this. Uh, and I think, um, in, in my opinion, I would not be upset if, um, if American fiction won, but honestly, I, like I said, this is the most wide open category. And I think any one of these five has a legitimate shot of winning adapted screenplay, the Oscar. All right. Uh, so original screenplay to kind of round out the major awards um so for original screenplay we have anatomy of a fall the holdovers maestro may december and past lives uh the two that i kind of predicted that would be in here that did not get nominated are air and salt burn um i just think air air came out way too early it came out in march i know they probably uh, wanted to capitalize on the, you know, NCAA March Madness tournament. You know, this is the this kind of college basketball adjacent uh, air was. But I think if this movie would have come out in like October or November to kind of coincide with the beginning of the NBA season uh, and do it that way. Um, I think it would have been fresher on people's minds and I think it would have uh, potentially, it would have had a much better shot at uh, getting a nomination for original screenplay. And Saltburn is just so weird and so out there and so original and unique that I, I put it in there in my prediction just because uh, I liked it and I like movies that take chances and salt the Saulburn screenplay really takes some huge swings. Uh, so um, I wish the Academy would just nominate uh, more films like that that are different and not your typical prestige film Oscar bait. Um, May December was a little bit of a surprise uh, to get in here because it was its only nomination. Uh, I thought it was an interesting film. Um, I think the performances were okay. I mean, it's a Netflix movie. Netflix leads all studios with 18 nominations this year. Um, they have never won Best Picture. Uh, and I could, you know, just from the types of movies that they put out, the awards fair that they put out, you can really tell that they really want to get that Oscar eventually. And I'm sure they will get it, um, but I think they just put too much of their eggs in this May-December basket, and people were just not connecting to it. Um, so the fact that it only got nominated for original screenplay, um, I don't know. I would have put Air in there instead of May-December. And then Maestro, I think I feel like, you know, I've said my piece about Maestro. Uh, past Lives, I really... I am glad that it got nominated as getting some recognition uh, because I think it's uh, very well written. The characters are very interesting um, and complex uh, and just the structure of the way that they tell the story kind of in three parts, um, three distinct parts throughout the lives of these two people, um, I think is, is 
uh, a feat in and of itself. And then Anatomy of a Fall, you know, courtroom drama is very dialogue heavy. Um, you know, all of the legal arguments and stuff like that is, you know, definitely deserving of uh, original screenplay Oscar nomination. But I think the winner in this one is definitely going to be The Holdovers. Uh, it's a top contender for Best Picture, for, you know, Best Actor. And I think the way that they kind of reveal uh, the background of these characters is very interesting and very natural as it would come up in, you know, if you were getting to know these people in real life, they wouldn't tell you their whole life story right from the beginning. Uh, the kind of uh, darker, um, less, uh, how would you say? Um, I don't know, just the, the, the darker kind of, uh, aspects of a per person's personality kind of gets revealed as you get to know them a little bit better and you kind of have to reckon with that as far as you know the film goes along uh, which I think is a very naturalistic way to do it because people aren't going to come out with all their secrets the first time you meet them uh, and the way that the characters connect with each other I think is great uh, and a lot of that is due, it's due to the performances and the, and the chemistry between the three, I would say the three leads, um, between, uh, Paul Giamatti, Divine Joy Randolph and Dominique Sessa. Uh, I think a lot of that is due to their chemistry together, but also very much so due to the writing. Uh, so uh, if it were my pick, I would pick the holdovers uh, with a small chance hope that past lives uh, would be the runner up or would also could also potentially win. All right, I'm going to take a little break and then we are going to get into the uh, some I, I don't want to say minor awards, but kind of less prestigious awards. And I'm going to try to go through those a little quickly because I'm already 41 minutes into this episode. So just hang tight for a minute and I will be right back. All right, welcome back to this episode. All right, so now I'm going to go through the kind of uh, secondary awards, which I have chosen to be a supporting actor, supporting actress, animated feature, international feature. Uh, those are kind of the next four <clears throat> kind of mid-major awards, you could say. This is the, you know, um, this isn't the Big Ten or the SEC. This is, you know, the Mountain West uh, conference of, uh, Oscar uh, categories. All right, so supporting actor, we've got Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction. We've got Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon. We've got Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, and Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. Um, like I said earlier, uh, and we'll kind of get into this too when we get to supporting actress, um, the three main characters for uh, the holdovers, uh, Dominique Sessa is the only one to not get nominated. Um, you know, that movie is really a three-hander. 
Um, it's really hinges on the performance of those three characters and for divine joy Randolph and Paul Giamatti to get nominated and then Dominic Sessa, uh, to not get nominated. Um, I think is somewhat of a crime. Um, you know, but he's a young guy, uh, the Academy, you know, on rare occasions will nominate children. Um, I mean, the kid from Sixth Sense, I can't uh, remember his name off the top of my head. Um, uh, I'm going to remember it, you know, as soon as I finish this episode. But uh, he got nominated and, you know, um, dang it, the kid from Room, uh, I forget his name, Jacob Tremblay. He got nominated when, you know, he was like six years old or something. Um but very rarely will they will the Academy nominate an up and coming actor uh, in a you know in a, a young actor in a a good film because I think they think that he'll be around he'll have other chances but I mean you never know what's going to happen he may never give another performance like this in his lifetime and this was his one chance to get nominated and he didn't nominate him so I think that's a little silly. Um, but uh that being said of all the nominations um you know mark ruffalo was hilarious in poor things i think he gives one of his best performances you know like he's been stuck in this marvel uh machine for so long playing the hulk uh he needs to get out of that and he needs to play more things or play more characters like uh his character and poor things because he's got uh so much range and he's so dynamic on screen uh, he's he's such a fantastic actor i wish he would do more movies like this uh ryan gosling for barbie you know fine uh robert de niro for uh killers of the flower moon i mean sure it's a legacy award basically for him i was really glad that sterling k brown got nominated um he was great in American fiction. He's the perfect counterbalance um, to Jeffrey Wright in this film. And he does exactly what a supporting actor and a supporting character should do uh, in that movie. And he was fantastic. Um, but with that being said, it's all for naught because Robert Downey Jr. is winning this in a landslide. He's been the favorite from the beginning. He's been winning all of the Guild Awards, uh, all the Critics Awards. Um, he's got this one in the bag. All right. Uh, moving on to best supporting actress. We have Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks for the color purple, uh, America Ferreira for Barbie, Jodie Foster for Nyad and divine joy Randolph for the holdovers. Um, I think the biggest surprise in this category is America Ferreira for Barbie because she does okay uh, for most of the movie, but then she has this this big speech, this big monologue that uh, she delivers really well, um, but I think is more due to the writing. It's a very well-written monologue, uh, and I think if that monologue would have been given to Margot Robbie instead of America Ferreira, I think Margot Robbie would have been nominated and America Ferreira would not have been. 
and then someone like I don't know like Julianne Moore for May December would have slipped in here and taken her spot um but I think also this one is a lock Divine Joy Randolph for the holdovers has been this is the most sure category uh of all the ones that we're going to talk about tonight um Divine Joy Randolph is winning this award. There's no question in my mind. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't seen The Color Purple. Um, Emily Blunt, sure, also only really had one monologue and then wasn't really in the rest of that film very much. I love that Jodie Foster got nominated for Nyad. Like I said, quintessential sports film. Uh, Annette Bening, Juliet, or uh, Jodie Foster um the two main actresses in that movie and i think very well deserved that they both got nominated all right uh moving on to best animated feature we've got the boy and the heron elemental nimona robot dreams and spider-man across spider-verse um so I have not seen Nimona, but I have heard of it, and I've heard it's good. Uh, I have not even heard of Robot Dreams. I have no idea where that came from. Uh, it was I was very surprised that uh, when they announced that nomination. Um, the two movies that I had in place of Nimona and Robot Dreams were uh, Ninja Turtles and Super Mario. Uh, I think Ninja Turtles, just like uh, Spider-Man, was a very unique style of animation and is very creative and is arguably the best Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, now, that's not saying much because the other ones really aren't that good. I contest that the live-action movies are more for nostalgic reasons and you know, Jim Henson's Creature Shop is really the star of those movies. Um, but, uh, yeah, Ninja Turtles was great. Um, I, I really enjoyed that movie. And Super Mario, I mean, I thought it would get in just because, if, you know, until Barbie came out, it was the highest grossing movie of the year. And still almost was, even with uh, the surge of the Barbenheimer wave. Um, so I was really surprised that those two didn't get nominated. I mean, The Boy and the Heron, I mean, it's Miyazaki. It's, um, you know, Studio Ghibli. It's his last film. Uh, he said that, you know, he's going to retire now. So I think this is more of like a career achievement nomination. Um, it's perfectly fine film. It's, it's everything you would want from a Miyazaki film. Uh, excellent animation uh interesting unique animal characters and people um strange worlds interesting uh fan uh fantastic elements i almost said fanaticism but that's not i don't think that's the right usage of that word um but yeah quintessential studio ghibli film elemental uh i really enjoyed the initial backlash of it bombing at the box office really um didn't really hold any weight because it had legs and i actually ended up watching it on um disney plus and i thought it was great uh so i think is definitely 
uh, you know, in this, the animation with the water and the fire, I mean, uh, you don't understand how hard it is to animate very dynamic things like that. Uh, so I think uh, it's, that's why it got nominated, just because of the, the difficulty of the type of animation that they were trying to do and the fact that they pulled it off very convincingly, I think is uh, definitely well-deserved um, as far as getting a nomination. But for me, it's this is Spider-Man all the way. I don't, I don't see any other movie taking this unless it's a, a um, sentimental and nostalgic uh, Academy vote that goes for the boy and the heron. Um, but this, this is, this is Spider-Man all the way. Um, if it's anything else, I'm going to be upset and I'll basically be done with the Oscars if that happens. All right. So moving on to the final, uh, mid major award, we'll say is the international feature. Uh, there's Il or Io Capitano from Italy. Perfect Days from Japan, Society of the Snow from Spain, uh, Teacher's Lounge from Germany, and Zone of Interest from the UK. So, full disclosure, the only one of these that I have seen is Society of the Snow. It's on Netflix. It's about that rugby team from Uruguay that crash-landed in the Andes and was stuck in the snow for like three months. Uh, and they had to survive in the mountains with no food and everything for like three months. And the, um, you know, how they ended up getting rescued is, well, spoilers. I mean, this is based on a true story it happened in the 70s. You know, sue me. Uh, you know, you could, it's a famous story. You could figure it out. Um, but it was uh, fantastic. It was so good. If, um, if I had seen it when I had um, made my top 10, this would definitely, Society of the Snow would definitely be in there. I would probably take off like Dream Scenario or something and, and move this in maybe middle of the pack, like six, seven, and bump everything else below it down and uh, knock off Dream Scenario, which was my number 10. Um, Society of the Snow uh is a fantastic film and everyone should see it it's on netflix it's widely available it's easily accessible and it's one of the best movies of the year uh this would be my pick for uh best international feature uh i have seen trailers for perfect days and it looks really good it just hasn't opened in my market yet it hasn't opened in my area so i haven't seen it so i'll keep an eye out for that and hopefully I'll be able to see it before March 10th. And I could give you guys my thoughts on that. But I think, you know, because uh, Zone of Interest also got nominated for Best Picture and for several other awards, I think this one's going to go to Zone of Interest. Like I said, I'm going to see it next week. I'll let you guys know. But as of right now, if it were up to me, I would pick Society of the Snow. All right, I'm going to take another quick little break, and then I will get into some of the uh, minor awards and the technical awards right after this. All 
All right, this next section is going to go pretty fast. Uh, there's only three categories. I'm going to call these the minor awards. And then after that, I might take a, uh, another quick little break and then get into the technical awards. So what I have decided, this is just for me, this is not official, but what I have decided as um, the minor awards would be original song, original score, and visual effects. Um, starting with original song, the only two that I correctly predicted were the two Barbie uh, nominees. Uh, well, let me, let me tell you what they are first. Uh, so the nominees are The Fire Inside from Flame and Hot, I'm Just Ken from Barbie, uh, what was I made for? Also for Barbie, uh, was was Zazi from Killers of the Flower Moon, and it never went away from American Symphony. Uh, so, like I said, the only two that I correctly predicted were um, I'm just Ken, and what was I made for? I'm just Ken. One for. Uh, I think it was the Golden Globe. They were both nominated, but I think this one is, you know, Billie Eilish. She won for No Time to Die, the James Bond song. Um, so I think what was I made for is is the more um, the more uh, prestigious and Oscar-y kind of song. Uh, that I think has a better chance of winning, and if I had to pick, would be my front runner. Uh, it was interesting that uh, it never went away uh, as an original song from a documentary uh, from American Symphony. Uh, I did not, I had never heard of American Symphony or this song, so when I looked it up, I was surprised to see that it came from a documentary. Um, that I think was also nominated for Best Documentary, but I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to talk about that category. But I don't think that happens very often, that an original song gets nominated from a documentary. Um, I'm glad that Flamin' Hot got some recognition. If you haven't seen it, it's about the story. It's the story about the janitor, the Hispanic janitor that worked at the Frito-Lay chip factory that invented the flaming hot Cheeto, uh, that flavor for for uh, that flavor seasoning for for flaming hot Cheetos, uh, it is a a how it was made kind of biopic film that I never knew I always wanted. You know, I love movies like that about the origin of uh, of these well known products that we all. Uh, know and love, you know, I loved um, the the Steve Jobs movie with Michael Fassbender. I loved, um, you know, um, what was it called? Social Network about the beginning of Facebook and the founder with Michael Keaton about Ray Kroc and McDonald's. Uh, you know, I love movies like that. And Flamin' Hot is in that same vein um, is a very good movie. It's on Disney Plus and Hulu. It came out much earlier this year. And I think it's really great. It's a very solid movie. Um, 
So I'm glad it's getting some recognition, and I hope this nomination will drive people to go see this movie because I don't think enough people have seen it, and it's readily available. Click of a button, Hulu, Disney+, Plus. if you have it, watch it, uh, and you won't be disappointed. Um, but like I said, as far as the other ones, uh, I think I think this is Billie Eilish's uh, award to lose. Um, all right, visual effects is the next category. Uh, so this this category, um, well, let me tell you the nominees first, and then I'll I'll get into my thoughts. Uh, so visual effects, the nominees are the creator, Godzilla minus one. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, and Napoleon. Um, this category is usually the category that gets uh, all of the blockbusters in it. All of the, uh, you know, crowd-pleasing four-quadrant superhero-type movies. Um, and the only one of those, the only superhero movie nominated in this category is Guardians of the Galaxy 3 which I think is very interesting, was really uh, reflective of the fact that most superhero big tentpole films like that this year kind of crashed and burned and were very mediocre, to say, to say the least. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I think, was definitely the best superhero movie. Uh, well, besides Spider-Man, uh, I would put that as number two. Uh, as the best superhero movie come out this year. Uh, but definitely the creator. The, what they did in that movie as far as visual effects for like $80 million, what they spent on that movie, is fantastic. Um, some of the best visual effects I've ever seen uh, in a film in recent memory, and they did it on the cheap. Uh, so... Uh, very, very glad that that is getting some recognition. Same thing for Godzilla minus one. I mean, Godzilla looks so cool, uh, just seeing him crashing through buildings and, you know, chomping on boats and stomping people out. Um, you know, everything that you want visual effects wise from a Godzilla movie you get in spades and it's definitely... Um, one of the best um, blockbuster type movies to come out this year. Uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, sure. I mean, uh, that is more practical effects where all of these other ones are um, more uh, CGI uh, computer effects. Um, you know, it's always great to see uh, actors and filmmakers do things in camera and get recognized for that. Um, I wish I'm going to beat this drum. I'm going to beat this dead horse until it disintegrates. But they need to add a category for best stunts. Um, the, prob the problem is, is who do you give the Oscar to? Uh, I mean, you could give it to the stunt coordinator, but he's not the one actually performing the stunts. So, and, you know, a, a lot of these, you know, movies, the stunt department is like 40, 50 people. You can't give out 50 Oscars uh, for one movie. 
you know, so it's like, who, who do you give the award to if you add that, uh, you know, if you add that award into, if you add that category into, uh, the Oscars, but I don't know, like, you know, like Pat McAfee says on his show, smart people figure it out. You know, it's, it's above my pay grade. You know, I just talk about this stuff, but I think, um, they need to add a category for best stunts because I think mission impossible would win that, uh, in a runaway. Uh, and then Napoleon was a little surprising. I didn't see it. I heard it wasn't very good. Um, but apparently, you know, the visual effects were, were nice. Uh, I really wish, uh, Spider-Man across Spider-Verse would have got in here, which I don't know. It was, um, I have this app called gold derby and it kind of lets me organize and predict awards, um, for all these award shows and these guilds and, uh, Spider-Man was up there as kind of like one of the top ones for visual effects, but I don't really know how that works since it's an animated film. Uh, and usually this award traditionally goes to live action films, uh, that kind of push, what is possible uh, to do visual effects wise. Um, so, uh, you know, I want, I want that movie to win all the awards. So any awards that it was up for, um, I, I predicted that it would be in there. Um, so yeah, other than that, uh, this one, I don't know as far as who's going to win. I, uh, I'll say Godzilla minus one, uh, but the creator was definitely fantastic. Same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. If, but if I was going to give it to one, I would say, uh, Godzilla was, is mostly because it's the better film overall than the creator. Um, but the visual effects in Godzilla were, were fantastic. And we'll get we'll get to more Godzilla here, I think. Uh, nope, never mind. I thought it was nominated for best sound. Um, if I was gonna pick the nominations, Godzilla would definitely be for in there for best sound because that movie blew out my eardrums in the best way possible. But I'll get to that when I get to best sound here in the next segment. Uh, so yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Godzilla creator. I'll pick creator for best visual effects as my pick. All right. Next category and the last in the segment is best original score. Uh, we have American fiction, uh, Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. Of course, John Williams again, uh, killers of the flower moon, Oppenheimer and poor things. Um, with this nomination, I think I, I read this today. This is John Williams' 54th Oscar nomination. Every time he scores a film, he gets nominated. This movie stinks. I did not like Indiana Jones at all. Um, I did an episode about it. You can go back and listen to it. I was very disappointed. The score, I think, was nothing special. Typical Indiana Jones score, uh, nothing out of the ordinary for John Williams, 
but for whatever reason, whenever he scores a movie, the Academy feels the need to nominate him for it. I would have uh, probably taken him out. All respect to the greatest of all time, John Williams. I would have taken him out and put in the score for either Spider-Man or The Boy and the Heron or even something like Society of the Snow. Uh, I, I think had a fantastic score. Um, but, you know, another another surprise was American Fiction. Uh, like I said, I just saw that movie recently, uh, and I don't remember the score in that very much. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's great. Uh, but it just didn't stand out to me uh, like the score from Poor Things or Oppenheimer, which got nominated. Um, or even Spider-Man. I mean, the score, the original score uh, for Spider-Man was so unique and fantastic, and I just can't stop listening to it. So um, I would have put that one in there over maybe American Fiction or Indiana Jones. Um, but I think I think this is uh, Oppenheimer's to win, um, not Hans Zimmer. It's uh, Ludwig Göransson. Uh, he has uh, kind of been uh, like an up-and-coming score guy. He's he's done a lot of really great work. I think he did the score for um, The Mandalorian. Uh, he's done a lot of really good work. Um, Christopher Nolan traditionally work is, works with Hans Zimmer to score his films, but uh, I think Ludwig Göransson has this uh, in the bag for Oppenheimer. All right, I'm going to take another quick break, and then I'm going to finish up with the final five uh, technical categories right after this. All right, so welcome back. Uh, both my um, microphones died uh, so you know how long this um, episode has been going on, so I should just plow through these last uh, six categories. We've got cinematography, hair and makeup, best editing, production design, uh, best sound, best costumes. A lot of these categories have the same nominees, um, so... Uh, uh, yeah, and a lot of these technical categories, most of the time when they say best, they really mean most. Um, so we will get into the first one here is best cinematography. The nominees are El Condi, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Uh, I think it's a travesty that Saltburn was not nominated for this uh, category. Uh, there's so many moments in that film that I just want to freeze frame it and blow it up and just put it on a huge poster on my wall. Uh, it's just a, such a gorgeous, gorgeous looking film. You can watch it on mute and it would be uh, entirely uh, still visually stunning. So I think it's a shame that Saltburn was not nominated. But as far as the ones that were nominated... Uh, I think I'll go with Oppenheimer on this one. Um, I think Oppenheimer and Poor Things are probably going to win uh, between the two of them. They're probably going to win most of these technical awards. Um, 
so I will just go with Oppenheimer for cinematography. All right, next one is hair and makeup. Uh, we've got Golda, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Society of the Snow. I was really glad that Society of the Snow got nominated in this category. Um, the hair and makeup is fantastic. Just the uh, disheveled look that gets gradually gets worse and worse uh, amongst the survivors of this plane crash throughout this film, uh, is completely believable. Um, but if I was going to pick one, I would say poor things. Um, Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer, Maestro, Golda, and even to an extent Society of the Snow are all really kind of based on, uh, real life events, but poor things really had to create something new out of whole cloth. Um, and that is will also be true for some of the other categories. So um, I'm predicting that Poor Things will get a lot of these technical awards. So I think I will give hair and makeup to uh, Poor Things uh, with the surprising no nomination for uh, Barbie in this category. I thought it would have been a shoe-in to get nominated for hair and makeup. Uh, but with the absence of Barbie, I think Poor Things is going to take this one. All right, best editing we have for the nominees. Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Um, I would really like to see The Holdovers win here. Uh, it's a little surprising that it got nominated for best editing. There's this crazy statistic. I don't know the exact number, but... Um, a film that wins best editing is most likely to win, is more likely to win best picture than the films that don't win. So I think, you know, if we get a surprise here and get holdovers win for best editing, I think you can definitely expect it to win, um, best picture. Uh, but outside of that, like I said, uh, Oppenheimer, Poor Things is probably going to win. One of those two is probably going to win all of these awards. Um, so just uh, in the interest of dichotomy, I picked Oppenheimer for uh, cinematography. So I'm just going to go for uh, Poor Things to win this one with the hope that Holdovers will take it and then win Best Picture. All right, production design. We've got Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Um, for this one, uh, I'm actually going to go Barbie because, uh, you know, they built that and the Barbie land, they built practically. It's a practical set. Um, it's real houses. It's, you know, a real neighborhood that they built out of nothing. Um so I think that was very impressive. It really made the whole uh, world feel more real and more realized um, and really grounded it a little bit more. So I'm going to go for Barbie in production design. And like I said, it's best pr production design usually means most production design. And that, is, I think, is um, either that or poor things I would pick for production design. Uh, yeah. All right. So next one is best sound. 
We've got The Creator, Maestro, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Oppenheimer, and Zone of Interest. Like I said, I think it's a shame that Godzilla Minus One did not get nominated in this category because the roars and the stomps and the crashes from the from you know Chunky Boy Godzilla in that movie uh, really blew blew my eardrums out in in all the best ways. Um, so if it were up to me, I would have picked Godzilla Minus One, but it wasn't nominated. Um, so I am going to pick Oppenheimer in this category because just because of that scene when the uh, bomb exploded and they dropped out all of the sound. Both times I saw that movie in that moment, the, the film, the, the whole theater was completely silent. You know, no one was wolfing down popcorn. No one was, you know, slurping their drink. No one was searching for, you know, that, uh, crunchy bag of, uh, raisinets or whatever in their purse during that moment. Both, both theaters were completely silent. Uh, and I think a lot of that is due to the sound editing, the sound mixing, the way that they used the sound leading up and then dropped it out, uh, for, I don't know, a solid 10 seconds maybe. And then finally brought it back in uh, to really, to really hit home that they had succeeded in, uh, creating this bomb. Uh, so for that moment alone, I'm going to give it to, uh, Oppenheimer. All right. Best costumes. We have, uh, Barbie, Killers of Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. The exact same, uh, nominees that we had for production design. Uh, I think I'm going to give this one to Poor Things because um, Killers of Flower Moon, Napoleon, and Oppenheimer are really just recreating a time period, uh, and they're just trying to make it accurate to that time period. And even Barbie, to an extent, you know, they had the toys and the dolls to kind of uh, go off of and kind of recreate that. But Poor Things... um, you know, much like hair and makeup and also production design, they had to create this new world out of whole cloth and uh, create these original um, vision and version of, uh, you know, this stylized version of the real world, uh, I think was, uh, you know, a monumental achievement this year. Um so if, if I was going to give it to any one of these, I'd probably give it to Poor Things. All right, so we have finally made it to the end of the list. That's all of the categories uh, that I'm willing to share with you and willing to talk about. Thank you guys so much for sticking with me throughout this whole journey. I know it's been a long episode, but I like giving you know, my raw, unfiltered, straight-from-the-tap thoughts. I mean, I take some notes uh, just to kind of get my head straight before I do these long episodes, but uh, it's mostly just stream of consciousness, really. I'm just, you know, yelling into the void. And I hope that you guys liked this episode. Uh, Look forward to my uh, reaction episode to the winners. It'll probably go up either the day probably not the day of, probably the day after, so look for that on March 11th. Um, I'll give, I'll do another rundown like this, 
Um, it'll probably be significantly shorter unless something crazy at the ceremony happens like it happened last year with uh, Chris Rock and Will Smith. Um, you know, definitely expect uh, Jimmy Kimmel to make a joke about that in the opening monologue uh, of the Oscars uh, this year. Uh, I'm expecting the ceremony to be pretty boring. It usually is. Um, you know, Jimmy Kimmel is a safe choice for, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) it's a safe choice for a host. I would have preferred someone like, uh, Ricky Gervais to do it, but he's more of a Golden Globes guy and, um, I don't think he even would want to do it, honestly. Um, but uh, we'll see how he does. Uh, I'm not expecting much because the ceremony is usually pretty uh, boring. But I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the winners and hearing the speeches and the montages and everything, uh, you know, to kind of celebrate the uh, year in film. Um So I will give my reaction to that on, like I said, most likely on March 11th. Uh, And also, I am going to try something new, uh, a new type of episode. I want to try to do a a commentary track for a film. So it'll probably be about a two-hour episode. Uh, I'll watch a movie. I'll have uh, the volume low. Uh, so that my voice won't get drowned out by, uh, the movie, but, uh, I'll definitely let you guys know what, uh, movie it is, and, uh, you know, if you like it, you can listen along to me ramble while, uh, I watch a movie. It'll probably be a movie that I'm fairly familiar with, uh, something that I've seen a million times that I, uh, definitely have thoughts on. Uh, and that I would like to talk about. Uh, I don't know when that's going to go up. I'm pretty busy with school and work and everything else, but it's just something that I thought of that I would like to try uh, and just kind of see how it goes. Uh, So definitely look out for that uh, in the near future. Uh, And to make sure you don't miss any of my episodes, make sure you subscribe. Um, You can read my blog posts on uh, 1001filmblog.com and you can, like I said, subscribe here for new episodes. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening and I look forward to seeing you next time.